Great. Are we on? Awesome. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming. Welcome to ARV uh, 204. This is a repeat session. Um, so if you uh, were at the other one, you'll see some of the same content. I'm going to switch basically the entire second half of it, and we're going to do like some live building of uh, a couple different applications. We'll see where that takes us. Um, great. So this is um, basically creating immersive experiences with Amazon Sumerian. So my name is Kyle Roach. I'm the GM for uh, Sumerian. Um, I'm going to go through basically why did we build it, like what's kind of the story behind the product. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of overview of what it does. Um, Actually, who's never seen it or heard of it before? Okay, so this is, this is pretty typical. Uh, so we launched this uh, product about a year ago at Midnight Madness, actually exactly a year ago. We were the Midnight Madness launch of reInvent 2017. Um, so in, it, because it's kind of a little bit off of our, our normal topic, you know, infrastructure, containers, things like that, it kind of got you know, lost into a couple different areas of news. But, but we'll go through it. We'll talk about how, uh, how easy it is to get started, and then you know, we'll actually see it live too. So. Great. So, what is Amazon Sumerian? Um, you know, basically, we built this because um, we, you know, we feel like ARVR is kind of coming. It's it's a thing that's sort of past the, the point of fad. Um, our our customers are telling us basically, hey, like, I'm a web, I'm a mobile developer, but I'm getting pushed into you know 3D development in one way or another. So maybe my employer has me looking at like things like Unity or Lumberyard, like while I'm on the job. So these are kind of skills that you know, uh, basically, so it's a little bit tangential to to what you'd normally be working on, but. They have a whole set of challenges with them that become kind of intimidating um, if you're not used to working on that. So, uh, so we, we, you know, starting with the customer backwards, we said, hey, look, we need to make a way for, for us to cut down some of these barriers, make the tool uh, easier, and get, get kind of 3D content into everybody's hands in a more simple way. So, um, so yeah, Sumerian is basically completely done in the browser, full 3D engine in the browser. Um, you can do everything you need to right there in the AWS console. So, you know, ARVR is coming. We kind of all believe that. So you're here for maybe a couple reasons, um, or just uh, maybe you're here because you never heard of this before. But like, if you are working on a project, you're familiar with the challenges that are in, uh, involved with 3D development. Um, if you're not, or you're planning on it, you're you know, kind of about to run into that sort of uh, phase. Um, or maybe you're too intimidated. We see this a lot from customers, too, where like, it sounds really cool. It's, you know, it seems like it's low-hanging fruit. They can go you know, another development tool. It's JavaScript or C Sharp or something I've seen before. Um, but once you start poking around, like the idea of like you know spatial layouts and things like that are you know very challenging. It's, it's very different than traditional sort of web and mobile development. Or if um, I know there's a chance maybe you saw this thing on Twitter, so I don't know why I did this to myself. So I called myself out a couple days ago and I said, okay, like we're going to switch the second half of the repeat session and we're going to try to build the entire app all the way through. So we're going to go from a standing start to a full VR app. I'm also going to add a second camera to it, so you can do kind of what we call a magic window experience. You can take your phone and move around, and then we're going to set it out on a tiny URL, and we can all try it together. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> the, um, there's the, so the last piece, the casting, the, um, the, the VR experience to the projector uh, is the piece that's not going to work. So we can't get the Oculus, my phone. So basically how it would work is the Oculus would cast to my phone, my phone would go to my laptop, my laptop would go to the projector. So somewhere in that pipe, Something is not holding up on the Wi-Fi. So, so we're basically, we brought four of them with us. We'll set up the URL during the session. We can pass them around after if you guys want to try it. But you'll be able to see it yourself in the magic window. So. Cool. So we've seen these types of transitions before. Like, you know, when the medium changes, uh, you know, from maybe desktop to, to web or, you know, web to mobile or, you know, on-premise to cloud, these huge shifts in transformation, you know, we've seen these types of things over the last couple of years. Obviously, you know, the 10 years we've been doing this at AWS. So what can we learn from these kind of things as we shift into immersive development? You know, as 
we start to add more intelligence to our chatbots. You know, we want them to recognize who we are and have contextual conversations. And you know, we want to look at, uh, you know, maybe I'm designing a new store or something like that. I want to look at that in full 3D and things like that. So what can we learn from these types of transitions? Uh, first, companies, they basically want to capitalize, um, not capital, they actually don't want to use their capital expenses. They want to use operational expenses to get things done quicker. So you do that by basically using the people and the talent and the tools that you already have. So most companies have web mobile development shops. They're familiar with um, AWS primitives. Uh, you know, they have basically the tool chain that you need to do JavaScript and web development. So you don't really need to invest in a whole set of like, 3D artists and things like that to get going and see if it works. You know, at some point when you start to iterate and move fast, you know, maybe it's time to double down and invest then. But you've got to be able to get started in new environments and experiment quickly. So Sumerian really helps you do that. All right, so what typically happens is you know, I get started, I pick my tool chain. And I realize basically that, you know, hey, like if, if you have a different phone than I have, or you, know, you have a different headset than I do, or you're in a different physical space, um, customers are going through everything from building once per platform and sending out these huge builds, or you're actually mailing, we have customers who are physically mailing machines and an Oculus setups to other locations just to get kind of collaboration going, and it makes really no sense at all. So underneath Sumerian, like if you look at kind of all these challenges that, that companies are faced with, uh, we feel like you know, using the web for what it's good at, like distributing content with no barriers, is actually a great kind of way to, to anchor basically what a 3D platform could be. So Sumerian is built on top of something called WebXR, which lets us do basically full 3D AR and VR uh, just using the browser. And the browsers are continually kind of updating everything from like image recognition will eventually come to surface tracking to things like that. And we'll show you some of these demos uh, here today too. Cool, so that's Sumerian. Here's a quick little preview, and we're gonna just kind of walk through this too. So lighting's a little bit dark, but uh, full 3D browser, this is all just running in the, uh, in the web browser. You can see kind of a you know, nice scene with the animation. You basically just hit the play button. So we have a, what we call a visual state machine where you can connect the little pieces of logic together. These could be things like I wanna send a message to an AWS service or I wanna listen on a you know, web socket or something like that. Um, you can deploy the same scene to basically VR, AR, or a mobile phone, and that's actually super powerful too. So I, I built it once, right? I hit play, I give that URL out. If I open on the Oculus, I see it in VR. If I open on the phone, I see it on my screen. So a uh, super quick way to kind of cut down that development cycle. So one of the things we saw with developers, um, you know, especially web and mobile developers, is we're not really good artists. You know, typically we're not good artists. Maybe some of us are, I don't know. I'm not. But like, so you, know, you want to get in and make a scene, and you, you don't know really what to put in it. So you can kind of like, you know, hack together something in Blender or download something from TurboScooter Sketchfab. But what we thought was like, typically, um, we're building things that involve everyday objects. So we've worked with our partners over at Amazon.com. Uh, we're modeling hundreds of thousands of everyday objects, and we're moving those into the asset library in Sumerian, so you can build scenes with things that exist. Uh, you can use these royalty-free in your Sumerian scenes. So, the idea here longer term is basically we're tagging these with what we call an, an ASIN. This is an Amazon like, identifier for the retail product. And you can start to earn referral fees with your web content. Since you're delivering this you know, through the web, this should start to look like what you know, click-through revenue looks like for a blogger, basically. So I can build a scene, I can put some objects in it, and if I pass traffic back, you know, I might be able to monetize that too. <clears throat> cool. So we should expect this, but it's an AWS tool, so it's tightly coupled to basically all other AWS services. So Every scene is shipped with um, AWS uh, JavaScript SDK in it. So you can use that visual state machine to kind of link back. Um, and we've done some special kind of relationships with certain services. So we've taken basically the set of AI services, uh, Lex and Poly and things like that, and we've personified them into this 3D character system, which we call Sumerian Hosts. 
So this is an example of the hosts here. There's um, seven of them now. Three of these just came in this week. Um, they're getting basically higher fidelity and lower in size. So they're, you know, they're continually getting better, but still making your applications faster. Now, these characters are all free to use in your scenes as well. So you can basically take your chatbot, if you've built one in Lex, you pick your poly voice, and you just drag it onto the character. You, you basically select it in a dropdown. And then when you, when you push that out, uh, the character will learn how to talk to you, uh, but it'll also lip sync and animate you know, in something kind of appropriate timing on top of the speech mark data. So a super easy way to make a kind of a digital concierge or something on a, on a screen that's you know, welcoming and engaging at the same time. So I'll show you how that works, too. Cool. So I talked about this a little bit, but the build once deploy broader. This is kind of the, the centerpiece of it. We're gonna, we'll do this a couple times. As I'm demoing, I'll just continually republish. And if you want to do it uh, you know, at the same time, you can keep your phone open, just keep refreshing, and it'll build that content. So, so I'll talk about two kind of quick use cases, and then we'll start to get into uh, the demos. Um, so collaborative space planning. So we see this basically around physical products in general or inside physical spaces. But uh, customers are doing things like you know, designing a shoe or you know, designing a physical product or designing a machine or something like that. You know, and being able to collaborate and see it in scale um, is actually you know, super useful. We have customers that are actually physically building like every permutation of their product and then doing you know, high-resolution high, uh, photos so that they can get these kind of you know, pseudo 3D models in place for their websites and things like that. So um, VR has been a, a great use case for that. Um, also, we're encouraging customers to look for that like, small piece of incremental value that you can add onto your existing workload. So, you know, if you are using AWS IoT, for example, and you have machines that are connected to the cloud, you can add a subscriber to a Sumerian scene and you start to visualize data right on top of um, your IoT platform with, with very little extra work. Cool, so, um, so we, we were passing these out in line, so some of you probably got to see this already, but uh, Spider-Man launched um, a promo for their new video, or the new movie, uh, which comes out December 14th, um, using Amazon Sumerian and uh, a partner toolkit called Eighthwall, and so I'll show you a quick preview of that, and then we can try to demo that and start moving into stuff. somebody play with the editor, so we can just do that ourselves, so. Um, cool, anyway, so that's the demo. I'll, I'll, when we switch machines to start doing that, we'll do the Spider-Man one live real quick if you haven't seen it, so. So I wanted to talk, before we just get, uh, get into the actual um, building stuff, I wanted to mention a few things that we've launched in the last couple weeks. Um, a lot of this sort of stuff, as you know, gets drowned out in like the, the broader reInvent noise. So if anyone's ever used AWS Amplify, it's a kind of a scaffolding um, a toolkit to build React uh, or Node, um, basically Angular apps, uh, super quickly. Um, so we, we added integration with them. So Sumerian, uh, for the last, basically for the last year, when you publish a scene, you get a URL and it's just completely open, right? So one of the most um, requested features, obviously, was you know, how, to, how to lock this content up. You know, I don't want to send my scene out to the entire universe. Um, so with a couple lines of code, you can basically protect it with an Amplify site, um, you know, wrap it in React or Angular, 
uh, and just spit it back out. You do uh, uh, amplify add auth, and it'll put an entire serverless authentication back in on it for you. Um, so you can get kind of a protected scene with, with really no additional effort. Um, I'm going to show you this live, but we built something called the VR um, asset pack. So um, before this, like even, even using Sumerian, you had to kind of map all your different controllers and things like that. And it was a little bit of scaffolding work available. Now you just basically drag this into your scene. Uh, you set the camera, and then you're done. So like, uh, we'll take care of, like, if you're on a Go, we'll render a Go controller. If you're on the Vive, we'll render a Vive controller. So uh, pretty cool kind of way to accelerate that type of development. I showed you the host already, so we launched those three new hosts. Um, animations as an asset, this is something that's kind of, if, if you're already using the tool or you know, you're using a different type of animation framework and you're moving to WebXR, this will be important. Like, the key feature there is basically like, you know, say I have, a, I have a, a car with four wheels and you know, I have an animation on that. Uh, right now, you'd have four separate ones for each tire, so making them into an asset lets you reference it. And in the end, that basically makes your scene sizes smaller and your animation sets more, more easy to manage. And you'll see these kind of features really surface when um, the characters start to get entire sets of behavior. So, you know, hey, I want to use it as a newscaster, so I don't know how to sit behind a desk and shuffle paper and make like you know appropriate gestures and things like that. So, animations as an asset is an important feature for kind of what's coming uh, this year. Uh, we had a Japanese language support. Uh, it's one of the more popular regions using Sumerian. So, cool. Uh, two more things. Um, I don't have a demo of the second one, but uh, we'll see that posted um, on our on our blog this week. Uh, Multi-user sharing, so uh, Sumerian so far this year has basically been isolated to every IM user, so right now anyone in your account can share projects, so um, it helps really streamline kind of uh, development, which is a huge ask for the year. Uh, and then Sumerian for ML, so this is basically, I want to use like a reinforcement model um, and train something um, you know, with a rewarding system, and I can run that simulation over and over in the browser. Uh, so we have an example, basically, of one of the OpenAI projects. It's called CartPole, and it'll just keep running until um, the plane can balance like a, a pole on top of it. So you'll just see it kind of loop and loop and loop until the model's uh, solid. So that's a pretty cool feature. Cool. All right. So here's kind of what the Amplify code looks like, just to show you, and then uh, we'll get into the console. So this is all you really need to add off to a scene now. So uh, you install um, Amplify, and I'm using React there. Uh, you go into your project, and you init, um, and then you just do Amplify add off. So that's really it. Uh, it, it spits out this you know, basic, basic template for, for you. And if, if you look at Amplify's website, there's an XR category now. So just this morning, uh, some, like early this morning, late last night, whatever, uh, we pushed out a whole bunch of um, uh, UX templates for this. So um, everything from customizing the, you know, the loading screen to you know, kind of making the, the brand really look, look and feel like your, like your own brand. Um, so there's a bunch of UX, uh, React and Angular stuff you can do there too. Cool, and with that, um, you basically just do add hosting and publish. And then you can say, I want this to be a dev site, so it'll go to an S3 static bucket. Um, or you can say this is a prod site, and it'll go to you know, full cloud front stack and everything. So, so a super cool way, like that's you know, literally five things in the command line, and your entire project and backend is deployed with your 3D scene. So, Cool. All right, that's what it looks like when it's out there. All right, so this is what we're going to build. Um, so if, you've, if you haven't been to the expo yet, you should go to there's a spot called the Developer Lounge. So we have an you know, enormous sort of Sumerian demo showcase there. There's a whole bunch of Oculuses you can kind of play with. Um, we have people doing live um, VR uh, design sort of um, stuff. I don't know if anyone's seen that yet. But this is one of the things that we, we did over there. Uh, these scenes are basically being used in a, in a video game that we built to demo kind of how quickly you can get something that scales out done with Sumerian. So the video game is basically like a rock, paper, scissors sort of game where you um, we could all kind of join at one time. Um, we would get, it would like logically put us into a ring. So 
we'd be playing against the two people next to us and it would whittle down the circle um, over time. So basically you'd pick like attack or defend or whatever. Um, but that's all backed on AWS IoT for the multiplayer. So it's a really cool example of like something you could do just in the browser and you know, get deployed without really worrying about any sort of scale. But I took one of the scenes from there and we're gonna build that. Um, we're gonna build that live. So you know, we'll basically be able to look around on it. Cool, so I'm gonna switch. Oh, I forgot which one I'm doing here. I'm switching to a demo take. Ah, look at that. Okay, so the first, the first thing worked. That's good. Good sign so far. Um, here, let's let's try Spider-Man while we're here, um, just to kind of show you guys what this does. Um, okay. Can we see that? Okay. Whoops. All right, so it's going to ask me for permission to my camera. So the permission for your camera actually is something the browser does. So that's um, you need an explicit user action now. Uh, this is pretty recent, like four or five months, uh, to get a mic, uh, sounds, or um, view. So uh, you're basically going to have to design around that um, when you're deploying your own experiences. So now uh, this is this is pretty interesting. So now if you've ever done any AR development in general, um, the browser's got good vision capabilities, but it doesn't have any sort of surface tracking. So you saw Spidey drop out of the portal. He's here on stage with me. Cool. We'll take a little picture of him. So awesome. Cool. Whoops. I'm try chopping. Well, I don't need the top later, I guess. We'll just. Yeah. All right. See you later. So, um, so like, so the shadows are great. He, he's kind of sticking to the, sticking to the plane. Um, so there's a couple things happening here. So we're using a partner's JavaScript SDK. They're called Eighth Wall, and what they do is they um, do the surface tracking, which is basically looking for horizontal planes. And then the shadow is being done by a JavaScript shader that was a couple lines of code uh, in the Sumerian scene, so that it gets the light, it takes the projection, and then moves the shadow in the right direction. So it looks pretty convincing, I think, for, for something that's just done in a browser. So, so pretty cool. So try that out. There's a couple cards here um, if you want to take that with you, too. So, All right, great. All right, so when I'm kind of doing live demos like this, it, you know, I, I, sometimes I get a little bit quiet. So if you have a question, and just a small enough room, just like scream something out, it's totally fine. It won't, it won't bother me. All right, so I have basically, I'm, I'm in the console. You can get to this from any region. Actually, if you guys, if anyone wants to follow along, you can probably play around with it too. But um, every region has it. So you just pick Amazon Sumerian from the ARVR category. If you're going to just goof around for the first time, it's probably a good idea to use this template called default lighting. So we basically set a stage for you and then put some lights in it. Otherwise, you end up with just a big blank dark area, and then you're gonna have to learn how to do lighting the first time around, which is kind of um, a little bit tedious sometimes. So, so I, have, I have a default lighting template set up already just because I've, I've created a tiny URL for it so we can open it. If you want to follow along at all, that's the URL. So it's basically the session ID without the hyphen. So tinyurl.com, AVR204, uh, R1, the repeat one. So I'll pull that back up later too. Yeah, right now it'll be empty, so that, that, mean, that means it works, I guess. Okay, cool, so let's get started. So um, here's my canvas. I can kind of move around just like you would any other 3D tool. If you haven't used a 3D development tool before, this is actually kind of the, the, what we see in like classes and things like that. This is the, the first sort of cognitive barrier is you know, how, do I, how do I develop in this, this sort of environment? So. I'm going to basically start adding assets. Open up the import asset library. 
So here you'll see everything from our character sets to the you know, furniture and things like that in Amazon.com. I'm gonna use uh, something called the train kit. Uh, this is just a, a private little pack we put together for this particular demo, so it just has some stuff uh, already grouped together. Otherwise, I'd have to go and get every you know, asset separately or something like that. So I've imported it, and you can see everything kind of shows up in the bottom, the bottom left here. Um, I'll make it a little bit bigger. I don't want to make it too big because I won't be able to see anything. Um, okay, so this asset panel here too, this is actually a drop target. So if you, you, know, you pull down a file from uh, Sketchfab or from TurboSquid or you, know, you have your own kind of 3D development tool and you have an FBX file or OBJ or GLTF or whatever, you can just drag it in there and it'll import automatically. So um, then you can use it in your scene. So I'm going to take the track first. I'm going to drag him over there. And then the train. Um, I'm actually going to save and then republish. And I'll just, I'll just keep doing this. So if anyone is actually following along, you'll kind of see how this progresses. The, if you are following along, the interesting thing to do on your phone um, is kind of notice how the camera is. So we'll start off, you'll be able to move it you know, by panning and zooming and things like that. Um, and then over time, I'm going to add basically the, the magic window capability so you'll be able, to, be able to move around as well. And then you'll, you'll kind of see that develop. Okay, great. Um, all right, so we're going to basically add a little sign in the middle. And this will be what we click on to make the train basically go around us. Uh, and then uh, you'll basically use it to start or stop. And when you're in VR, you'll, you'll use it to kind of target, target the stop and start of the, the scene there. So now, all these different actions, um, if I want to add intelligence to the app, uh, basically, you can do it two ways. You can add a script, or you can do um, something through, through the visual state machine. So I'm going to take this uh, sign, and this is basically that little box in the middle. So he also has a collider on it. So a collider basically looks for um, you know, collisions, obviously, uh, inside, um, inside the scene itself. And um, can I? Can I close this one? It's super distracting with the animation. Um, so it looks for collisions, and what we're going to use that for is basically touch uh, or the ray cast from the, the, the VR controller. So that one's already been set up. Um, and then I'm going to add the, oh, the state machine's there too. So I'm going to add my first behavior. So state machines are basically grouped with behaviors and actions. So behaviors kind of encompass some set of actions. This first one's going to be, <clears throat> uh, let's, let's call this uh, train rotate. Uh, and then we're going to listen, or we're going to do pick. So there's a couple different ways you can kind of get the, the user's um, input. So there's touch, there's like, um, you know, I don't know, uh, touch, there's pan, there's a whole bunch of kind of left click, mouse click, all these different ones that you can use. We're going to use pick here, because pick will kind of work for VR and mobile, so it's kind of the one that we can kind of superset with. Um, so now on pick, which basically means that whenever this thing gets touched, uh, we're going to go ahead and add an action. Actually, we're going to do it in a second state. We're going to do something called init message. So this is um, basically how you do uh, inter-object communication within a scene. So uh, now there's, there's a couple kind of levels of how this works. So emitting a message is basically just a quick WebSocket message. So it's something like if you ever use Socket.io, it's basically local, a local channel within the scene. So any object can emit a message. Any object can listen to a message. So it's a way for you to say, like, oh, hey, train, I was clicked, you know, or you know, now stop moving, start moving, whatever. So it's really good for kind of you know, game mechanics inside the scene itself. If you want to go between users, you have to go back to the cloud. So then you would do the same sort of pattern, but you'd use you know, AWS IoT or 
uh, AWS AppSync, you know, which is basically a, a GraphQL backend for it. So either one of those would work to kind of sync between players. But we're going to just emit a message here locally. I'm going to call it train move. And then uh, once that message is emitted, uh, we have to actually go back and wait for uh, the next time it's touched. Otherwise, he'll see, he'll, the, the state machine will just get stuck on that second state. So we use a transition for that. Not, not a transition, transition. Uh, so basically, we're saying on the next frame, I'm going to do something different. So I just drag this guy over here, and I drag this one back. So now this state machine will run. Actually, we can test it. So, see, I was, well, he's, he's going so fast. I don't know if you can see that blinking there, but he's jumping to the next one. He's coming back. So that, that message is actually just going and going and going. So, cool. Okay. So now we have a message that's been sent out into the into the scene, right? So we have to have somebody else that's listening and, and handling it. So um, we're going to go to the the train itself. We're going to add a state machine to the train. And then this one's going to listen for the message and start to do things. So, so this first one, we're going to do add action, and we're going to listen. And basically, uh, the only thing you really have to do is just make sure your strings match. So as long as I put train move here, the rest of the stuff wires up automatically. It's really not, nothing really terribly difficult after that. So on the train move event, what do we want to do? So now the, the train itself is sitting on a circular track. We're just going to basically rotate the entire thing. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like he's driving around the track, but he's, he's going to kind of be faked. So like a lot of these little ton of, ton of tricks are kind of how you make, uh, make these 2D scenes like look, look and feel real without a whole ton of different logic. Um, so we're going to add a rotate action. And we're going to just rotate it. Um, on that axis. Now, this is interesting. So when I transition from the first state, so I get the message, I transition from state one to state two, it'll start rotating. It'll never leave state two, though, unless something else happens. So what I have to do is actually give it, give it some way to go back. And we'll do that with a second click. So it's going to look kind of like a circular uh, state machine there, but, but that's kind of how the behavior will work. So here, what I want to do is I want to uh, listen again. So I'm listening for the second time the click happens. And then I want to go back to the first listen. So then I'm going to listen again for the first click. And as soon as I move off of that rotate node, the train will stop rotating. So, so let's try this out. So there's our train. He's rotating. And we stopped him. So that wasn't exciting enough. <laughs> All right, I'm going to republish it. So if uh, anybody wants to try it, uh, here's the URL again. And we'll keep, we'll keep kind of adding stuff to it. So. You don't all have to try it at once. It's totally fine. OK, so um, it would be, it, has, is anyone actually trying it? At least one person here? So no? Nobody? Oh, yeah, OK. Let's wait. Yeah, it, of course it worked. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it'll be, it, it will be interesting, actually, if you do have time to try it, uh, if you're interested, uh, to, to do it and then kind of see the difference in the camera once we switch it out. So you're, you're basically, right now, you're going to be stuck with the position of the game camera. Um, but once you see kind of how easy this is, you, you'll, you'll kind of get an idea there. And like, you know, back to the, the use case of space planning. So if, if I'm laying out like my new coffee shop and I have someone in the physical space where it's empty and they don't have a VR AR headset, like taking the phone and actually walking around and you know looking even in three DOF um, is actually super powerful. Like I can get scale perspective of you know what's going on in the world around me. So 
it's uh, super useful. Okay. So now to, to add magic window, that's what we call that, we're going to just import another asset. Um, I'm going to do it with the camera already. Cool. And I'm going to move this into the scene. Basically, I'm going to make that the main camera. Let me just kind of move this around a little bit. So, all right. So now, let's wait till this guy's done. All right. So if you try it again, actually, I can pull it up here for. If you're demoing from your iPhone ever, quick, quick time player is kind of a good cheat. Um, you just pretend you're going to record something and then just do that anyway. So, um, whoops. Dot com slash avr two zero four r one. Okay. So yeah, there's my there's my scene there. So. I click this guy, he'll move. You kind of see him going around. So yeah, this this will hold. This is actually you know we've we've done kind of little tricks like this before just for quick demos. But if you make a transparent skybox in your scene um, and you throw the AR camera in there, uh, you can do a fake three dot AR app with just a couple lines there. So you can actually anchor a bunch of stuff around you. So as long as the person's seated, it's a it's a quick way to get kind of a concept uh, out the door. So that's uh, just a little hack for later. Okay, great. So. Um, let me see. So let's, let's go ahead and put a couple more things in the scene. We'll kind of see what that looks like. Oh, actually, you know what? When we're playing, here, watch. This is, this is uh, kind of, I'll show you the animation sets in a second. So um, when you're playing, you'll notice the trained wheels are kind of stuck. So we can go ahead and animate those pretty quickly. So this is basically, I'm going to use an asset that already exists. We're going to clone it and then reattach it to a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so I'm going to go down and find my, uh, State machine, and I'm going to find the train rotate. So this is the one we already built. So now this this itself is you know it's attached to the entity, but it's actually a separate asset in the scene itself. Uh, so I'm going to duplicate it, and we'll call it uh, wheel rotate. Uh, and then instead of uh, this access or this, wait. Oh, you know what? That's the one that sends the message. I want the one that listens, sorry. So we're going to rename this. Yeah, perfect, OK. So I'm going to duplicate this one. Wheels. And then uh, instead of on this axis, we, we need to move the wheel on the other axis, which I know because I tried this already once. Uh, and then I'm going to go to the train itself. Um, where's the wheel? There you go. Uh, and then I'm going to select the wheels. And now if you want to just attach this to it, you just basically drag these over here. Oops. I need some more space. Hang on. Cool. Uh, wheels. Oops. Great. There's one. 
just two. I guess we probably really only need two because we can't see the other two, but I'm gonna do it because I don't know which one's which. So. All right, so now when we play it, the little red wheels on this front, uh, the front car, uh, they should rotate also, so there you go. So a super quick way to kind of take behaviors and start to clone them all over your scene, get, get things done really quickly. Now you can do stuff like, um, just take the scene here, go back to my, um, back to my asset pack, and I can do things like, uh, I don't know, maybe drop, drop a house in, and then move him over. Uh, mountains, he's a little bit high, so get kind of a, a convincing little scene, scene ready for, uh, in a couple minutes. Um, see, we already have a train. A tree. So like, I have something like a tree here, right? Um, so once we move it, we can basically clone these all over this. Whoops, I'm gonna break everything, aren't I? Okay. Ah. So if I take the tree, there we go, okay, cool. So you can just clone them by just doing Command D and it'll give me a second one that I can move around. So you can kind of quickly um, you know, do something like kind of create a um, you know, a forest or whatever, I guess, by just repeating assets around the scene. So, so doing the same thing, we'll, we'll kind of, well, that's not gonna be super useful, but um, there's a tree on our sign, but anyways. So you can kind of see how quickly it is to, to build these things out. So let me go ahead and just get rid of some of these. Cool. Okay, so that's the scene. So now for VR, this is um, what I'm gonna show you and we can demo on the, on the, uh, on the Oculus uh, after the session, because I, I can't get the casting to work. Um, I'm gonna go back and import the VR asset pack that we talked about earlier. So, so this is now I have a full working scene. If, I, if you open it on a mobile, we'll still get the magic window. So from here, we're basically gonna add VR asset pack. And this is in everybody's um, Sumerian uh, console already. Uh, we'll go ahead and add it. Cool, and we're gonna find the camera rig. So um, I'm gonna drop the VR camera rig into my scene. Go. Did I, I lost it. Hang on. I wonder if I'm dropped. Oh, yeah, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> now that means I have multiple ones of these somewhere. Let me just find it and delete it, and then we'll do it again. Okay, I think we're okay. Sorry. You wanna keep it at that top level, otherwise you're not gonna, you're gonna get a bunch of unexpected behavior, basically. Um, okay, rig, there we go. All right, so from here, um, I'm basically just gonna uh, go into the, the settings and the VR pointer settings. They basically let you, t you know, dictate whether or not you want the user to be uh, right dominant or left dominant. Uh, not super important for the Oculus Go because you only have one um, controller, but it will put it, it will render it, you know, basically next to the hip on either side. Um, if you're using Vive, it'll drive, you know, the, the primary and secondary button behaviors automatically for you. Um, and we will switch controller settings too. So um, if you, you know, if you do use the same exact scene and then open the URL with a different uh, HMD attached, it'll re-render a different controller set for you too. Um, cool, so let me see, I just need to make this the current VR controller and that's it. And then I need to hide the secondary because we're just gonna do this for 
for the Oculus. So this is just a little design setting. I'm going to make this guy a little bit smaller so you can see him too. Cool. All right. So now to, to get so now this is it. That's basically all you have to do to get VR on, on the uh, on the scene itself. Now to get to teleport and have the the ray cast and the actions, it's pretty much just as simple. So I'm going to go ahead and find these scripts. These are VR scripts that come with it. And like if I look at the um, the I guess the tracks, this is kind of the floor that we um, put in place there. I take the teleport script and just drag it onto that object, and now it's a teleport target. So that's literally all you have to do. We'll do everything from the ray casting to the trigger, to the trigger mapping to moving the camera around. So that's basically how you set up teleport. Um, and it's just like such an unexciting demo at some point. Um, uh, and then like if I want this sign, which we talked about earlier, I'm going to go back to the same one we have the click event on, the same one with the state machine. And I'm, I'm going to add basically an uh, object activate. And this will give us um, uh, a trigger um, action that we're basically going to map to uh, the button down. So this will basically take it and then remap it so the browser thinks it got clicked on. So, and then from there, like, you can go around and do that too. So I'll go ahead and publish this. And then if you, know, if you want to see this afterwards, uh, we can do that. So. All right, so we got, we got some time um, before we can start questions. But um, let me show you a quick. Quick separate demo. Has anyone seen the host demo before? Or actually, who has, hasn't seen a host demo before? Okay, cool. Let's do let's do that too since we got time and we're we're kind of ad living here a little bit anyway. All right, so I have another default lighting scene. I'm um, switching just so I can switch credentials. Uh, I have a Cognito identity pool here. So Cognito basically lets us um, proxy our AWS credentials on our customers' behalf. So if you put that in your scene when you publish it, we'll do all that mapping for you. So. If you have you know you have a host right like in this particular demo and you want them to talk um, or you want it to use Alex uh, chat flow, um, it'll authenticate to your account even if the scene is out there anonymously. So it's a way for you to kind of proxy credentials and security to to your customers. So I'm going to go ahead and just import a host. I'll do one of the new ones. Um, this is uh, Maya. She was released this week. So she'll import down here. And then I'm going to put her in the scene. Cool. So there's Maya. Um, all right. So I'm going to basically create a speech file. And we'll say, hello, my name is Maya. I was going to have her do row your boat and have everyone open it, but I think the, the participation level is not quite there for that to work. Um, OK, cool. So uh, let me see. I need to create a, a, de a default gesture map. I'm going to show you this in a second um, so that we can kind of leave that open for now. So you notice I just typed text in. So I'm going to use the same thing I'm, since we're talking about state machines. I'm going to add a state machine to kind of make her talk. Um, so I'll do the same thing we did before. I'm going to basically add the action for uh, pick. And then I'll add another state. And the state will do start speech. Now, if you're using Lex or you have a whole Lex flow, you can you know, map the Lex response here. You can pick the Lex uh, uh, kind of flow you want her to start. So you can actually have you know, entire sets of contextual conversations all in your AWS backend. 
And then depending on who the host sees or, or who she wants to talk to, you can drive all those different conversational trains, uh, chains. Chain, I get trains on my head now, see? Um, okay, so I'm gonna map, map those two the same way and then we'll go ahead and play. Yeah, actually kind of watch the, uh, watch the state transitions on the bottom too as we go. Uh, so pick. Hello, my name is Maya. I'm a Sumerian host. Cool. So we can do that again. Hello, my name is Maya. So actually notice I'm a Sumerian as, host. as I move around the scene, she's still kind of deadpan straight ahead. So there's a couple things we can do to quickly fix this. So if you deployed her on a, on a TV or something, like she already has natural idle movement. She's breathing and she's kind of rocking a little bit, but she looks kind of, you know, like she's locked up. So with a couple quick things, we can get her to kind of act a little bit more, a little bit more human-like. Um, so I'm gonna basically tell her to pay attention to us, the camera. Um, this we're doing with a point of interest system. So we just take, we say, I want you to look at an entity and the entity I want you to look at is the camera. Now if you had a, if you had a camera on a TV and you, you know, could find out where people were in 3D space, you would make a little fake object in your scene that the camera can't see. And then you'd have her pay attention to that. And you'd have it follow the user around. And that's how you fake eye contact. Um, so if I look at the same, the same demo again, so she'll still do the talking. Hello, my but name as we is move, Maya. I'm a Sumerian host. She'll follow us around, which is great. So all these animations are all separate layers. So she can follow us around, she can move, she can emote all, all at the same time as she's doing the lip sync on top, up top of the poly speech. So what, what happens with poly is that we get that MP4 stream from poly and they mark it up with um, little tags that tell us what shape the mouse should be at what time in the stream. So all these animations are preset and we just read them as we're reading the file out loud. So all this stuff just happens by default but she's still not really moving, so there's one more thing I can do. Um, we created that thing called the default gesture pack earlier. This is something we do for you. Um, if you. You can totally change this if you want to remap different words. But we've selected basically, I don't know, a bunch of different words and phrases, and we've mapped them to things that are natural. So it should pick up. I'm just gonna tell it to auto-mark the file. So if I go back to my speech file, it should look like SSML now, not text. Cool, there we go. And it should pick up things like if she's saying hi, she should naturally wave. So we should know to do that just because of the, the text that's coming through the wire. So we'll try that out. Hello, my name is Maya. So, yeah, I'm a Sumerian host. Yeah, so I don't know where this, he's a host, I guess, I don't know. Uh, there's a couple like uh, awkward gestures here and there too. I mean, they, they actually, they're, they're getting like much, much better. They, one of the animators from like the, the, the mummy and Alvin and the chipmunks is on the team now. So like the quality has gone drastically up. We had these like crazy ones last year. They were these huge collectives every once in a while. So, um, <laughs> so it, but yeah, they're pretty awesome. And you know, uh, yeah, eventually you'll just kind of be able to add your own animations too. So. Um, you can, you know, you can use your own characters. The, the only difference would be that they wouldn't lip sync automatically. So, um, if you had a character you got from like Mixamo or some other kind of 3D system, you could drag them in and have them walk around and do stuff too. So great, um, perfect. So we got about 15 minutes. We can take um, any questions if anybody wants, or we can kind of ad hoc some more stuff if anyone wants to see something built. Um, if, so if you import your own characters, can you bring them the same poly, you know, actions that you were talking about with Maya? So, so far, we have, so we have a customer called Electronic Caregiver. Um, they're, they're actually here. They're doing a couple chalk talks this week. Um, we have, a, basically, it's like considered a private beta SDK. It's basically our Maya SDK with our rig and the weighting system and things like that. They can put their character mold on top. 
um, and then we import it for them. So we're, we're kind of looking at that workflow. So if that's important to you or your business and you have the skills to build a character um, you know, that, that could fit that kind of rig, uh, just reach out to us and yeah, right now we're just letting customers experiment with it so we can get enough feedback to figure out how to do that. I mean, I think the two paths, it's interesting because um, if this tool is meant to break down the barriers of entry to AR and VR development, then sending customers to like another professional modeling tool seems off a little. So we're trying to figure out like what's the best complementary workflow there? Like, do we just publish a rig and if you want to use it, you can, or do we build like a host builder or customizer? So we're really looking for customers to tell us, you know, what would be what would be most beneficial for you. Um, I, I think I did mention this, but the characters are completely free to use. So that you to pay for the Lex and Poly fees and obviously the Sumerian streaming fees, which you know are, are basically called front and S3 storage. So um, I mean it's a super quick uh, value add onto your existing workflows already. But other questions? Yeah, so this is, this is, I actually, I love this example. I think 8th Wall, by the way, I think they did a fantastic job with that demo. The surface tracking was, um, I mean, we were very impressed with it. They, they had a two-month timeline trigger, um, triggers the name of the firm that built that um, using the 8th Wall SDK, but uh, to get that done in that kind of time frame was pretty amazing. But um, if I'm, I'm in the editor here, if I look at any, I'm just going to pull up the script, ignore the code, but um, this resource URL, this is just a JavaScript include. So anything you put in there, like any JavaScript library that's accessible, um, we'll build and, and, and pack it with the scene when we ship it. So, uh, eighth wall is just a JavaScript SDK. They put it in. That's it. So, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. So what their SDK does is it tells us where the horizontal planes are, and when when the tap happens. Uh, in the Sumerian app, we, we know where to put the character, like put the animation. So actually, this is an interesting, I mean, this is all done in the browser, but like if you wanted to build an AR kit or an AR core application, we give you open source templates for those two. You basically change one, one line of Swift code or one line of Java, Java code, uh, and you put the URL of your scene in there, and then you can use native tracking to do like, I wanna you know, maybe anchor something from Sumerian onto a face or onto a scene or a you know, 3D object now with AR kit. So you can do all the capabilities that the local device has, but we render everything in a transparent WebGL window. So it's still coming from the web, but it looks it looks just like it's coming from the native app. So yeah, uh, for sure. So um, you can just go like I think it's just GitHub Sumerian AR Kit. I'm gonna uh, oh for eighth wall. Yeah. So they so our camera scripts are all accessible through JavaScript. So um, you you know. They just basically tell us where to put stuff, but you could go with, like if you wanted to do more stuff, you know, you could develop your own system like that and tell the camera to move and pan or whatever. Like like the magic window thing is just a JavaScript, um, it's a JavaScript snippet about 40 lines long that we attach to our own camera so that when the phone moves, we move we move the camera around. That's it. Um, uh, I'm not. I don't think I, I actually I don't think I'm the right person to speak to there. You know how they do that, but. Um, I mean, they're, they're a great partner. They're super open, and they're interested in this type of work. We have a, a pretty large Slack community. Uh, there's a couple thousand Sumerian developers on there. It's uh, uh, slack.sumerian.aws, and 8th Wall's on there, too. They're, they're all suffixed with underscore 8th Wall, so you can just ping at any of those guys and ask. Hi. Right now, it's OBJ, FBX, and mostly GLTF. There's, there's some animation problems with GLTF import right now, but we're fixing that. So yeah, if you went to Sketchfab and pulled something down, it should import. 
there's some, you know, some, like um, right now we have somebody at our booth that's demoing live modeling in Google Blocks. So some of those like quick, quick model tools, they're not super optimized. So when you move it in, you're gonna get like, you know, a thousand different textures that are all the same and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if you get it from TurboSquid or Sketchfab or somewhere a little bit more polished, um, it should just move right in. Cool. Oh, uh, one more thing. Uh, whether or not you're into uh, AR VR development yet, uh, we have a $100,000 hackathon going on. So um, if that gets anybody interested, that runs until mid-January. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why no one's taking us up on this, but I think like the first, uh, some I, I don't know the number, we have to look it up, but the first number of submissions just get 250 bucks for submitting. So like, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like, what is it? Credits. Credits. Well, still, it's okay. Well, then you can give it back to us. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so $250 in credits, I guess. Um, but yeah, but uh, there's, I think, about 1,000 people registered. We haven't seen uh, any submissions yet, which I think is pretty normal, but a really good response. So check that out. I brought some flyers for that, too. So. Cool. Hi. Uh, for sure. Um, let me show you. So if you go to um, our doc page, um, just docs.sumerian.amazonaws.com, you can get to this obviously from anywhere else. Uh, we have something like 100 different tutorials, um, YouTube videos, we live stream uh, demos on Twitch uh, every week regularly. Um, in these articles here, there's longer ones. These are more like um, you know, how to build a full application. Uh, one of them is called the Concierge Starter Pack. And this goes through basically using uh, OpenCV to do the eye tracking and recognition to do the context on who you're talking to. So this will walk you through the, the whole um, building of the app and, and the codes there too. So if you want to play with it, you can do that. So, but yeah, this, it, like, it'll recognize you and then you know, move you around on a map basically. So. Right. There, so there's a script, we, we don't, I mean, actually, I think there's, there's use cases for Unity and there's, you know, there's use cases for Sumerian. And Sumerian being focused, you know, entirely on WebXR type workloads, we don't really feel like, you know, that's a, a path we want to actively, like, we don't want to be positioned as a competitor to Unity. We think those are two different things. Um, but having said that, a customer has built an, uh, an importer basically to say, if you have a scene in Unity, you can, uh, move the scene layout, but we, it wouldn't, like animations and things like that wouldn't translate anyway, so um, yeah, you'd probably want to go through some normal export to, just to be safer. But there's one floating around in Slack that I think it was about a year old, but we can try to dig that up and get it to you. But it's someone else's code, so I'm not sure. Okay, well, we'll stick around for a little while. There's the, the Oculus Go, um, there's a bunch of other demos in our booth. Uh, we, there's the, the, the game I was talking about that we built out on Sumerians, so you can check that out too. But yeah, thanks for coming.